Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6NERDS5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. I'm Andre Gower. And I'm Ryan Lambert. And you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con. I am Ryan, and only one other person is with me today. Zach. That's all right. Uh, the Golden Cinema Lovers. It's going to be a great episode for everybody. Do you? Does anybody here remember Al Jolson? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what about Georgie Jessel? These uh, are names. Do you remember that rapscallion Buster Keaton? <laughs> <laughs> Charles Chaplin. The guy who looked like Hitler, but wasn't Hitler. But that, played Hitler I, in the Great Dictator. I think that's too pre-Golden Age. When, when is the actual Golden Age of Hollywood? Is it 1930s to 40s? Mm, I think it's the mid-20s. Is it the, considered this, the mid-20s? Yeah. Well, it, it. I think it actually It might even be further back because the, the formation, like the reason everyone exodus to Hollywood is because Thomas Edison, a notable historical prick, um, tried to monopolize the film industry by creating the Edison Trust which was essentially designed to make sure that only he had access to the films uh, that were showing in theaters at the time. So like the one yeah. dealers and stuff. But is that considered a golden age of Hollywood? No. no. So what happens is they all move to Hollywood. So Universal, like Carl Lemley gets their first Universal and then all the people start following afterwards. Warner Brothers, mm. um, MGM, all that stuff. So I'd say like around the 19, like the, I, it's definitely after World War II, like the, like the early 1920s up to the mid 1960s. That's when the period uh, is in full effect because that's mm. when the star system is really churning out the classics that we know today. Yeah. Um, but like, I, it's it's hard to necessarily pinpoint. I think the golden age, like that we fondly remember kicks off in the mid thirties. Yeah. Um, because then, because like in four years after that point, hi. <laughs> um, but then by that point we get like, cause 1939 is the gold standard for, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, like that's the year you have like a, a ton of classics. Like there's a, um, 
you know, I'm not one to bring up the Gone with the Wind Blu-ray, but <laughs> if you, uh, if I do own it, and oh, on yeah. there is a special feature. It's awesome. Yeah, well, it's it's honestly it's the special features trove you want. The problem is I don't want to watch rewatch that movie all the time. It's uh, uh, it's a great movie. It's definitely one that you have to sit down because yeah. what's the runtime? Four hours. It's four hours, <laughs> and it's 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 one of those things. Like I think I've talked about it in the past, where I'm just like Gone with the Wind. Like it's technically beautiful. The acting's fine. But that story is melodramatic garbage. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. Um, but on that Blu-ray, um, play with your trucks, or I'll give you my phone. You can watch something. <laughs> Let him watch Gone with the Wind. We'll be here for four hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you want to watch Gone with the Wind? Frankly, frankly, Dad, I don't give a damn. I watch Gone with the Wind. You want to watch Gone with the Wind? All right. I got the uh, the Blu-ray. I don't have the super deluxe edition. That's the one I have. But I have. It's it's super nice. It's like. Uh, a magnetized like fold like a uh, foldy book oh you got the one from target okay is that a d- exclusive to target i think so yeah yeah i mean i know i bought it at target but it's like super nice it like it's magnetic mm-hmm. and so it's like a snap case like snap magnetic snap yeah but like there's no snap it's like perfectly folds in half it's right. really it's, i mean it's super nice i've only seen a few ones that look like that but the one i have which is just in a standard blue jewel case has a documentary on it called 1939, the year Hollywood remembered or something mm-hmm. like that. And it goes through not just Gone with the Wind, but also like Stagecoach, Son of Frankenstein. Uh, you have the first Sherlock Holmes movie, Hound of the Baskervilles. Or Gunga Dean. Th- uh, Gunga Dean is mentioned in there. And you also have um, uh, uh, one of my favorites, which is Ninotchka, which is um, uh, Marlene Dietrich. Um, I believe it's Mar- Marlene Dietrich. Oh, God. It's been years since I've seen Ninochka. But anyway, 1939, a great year for cinema. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. But we're not here to talk about the year of 1939 <laughs> for the whole podcast, are we? No, what no. What else do we do? We also, well, I went and saw a new movie. <laughs> I actually saw it last week. I got sick. So our movie of the week is Happy Death Day 2. Uh, stay tuned. We'll review the movie. And then I, I don't know if I should spoil it because I know you want to see it. Um, but I'll tell you if you should see it or not, and I'll give a general overview of it. Um, I, I was supposed to see... Well, I was seeing that in Alita last week, mm-hmm. and I was like in the theater, and all of a sudden I just felt like weird, mm-hmm. not like, not like super sick, but like just something wasn't right. Right. You know what I mean? I'm just sitting in the theater, and I'm drinking my uh, seven dollar Dasani fizzy water, <laughs> and I'm sitting there. Wait a name drop. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, uh, and I'm like, man, I just don't feel right. Yeah. And so I was seeing Alita maybe like 45 minutes after. Um, uh, happy death day to you mm-hmm. and i got up and i was like man i just go home like i started to feel like woozy and like nauseous right and then i went home i went to bed i woke up like at five and i like threw up all day long uh, i think you... i got like food poisoning yeah because like i didn't feel like sick uh-huh. i just felt weird yeah and i'm like what the hell did i eat i couldn't even remember <laughs> like what would trigger it to did tell you, you the did truth you, have you listened to last week's show yet no we tried to we we kept saying like no he's investigating a mystery in Idaho Springs yes. the mystery of why he's vomiting <laughs> yes but now my wife is like way sicker than I ever was uh, so spreading uh, you know my wife deals with she's a nurse so well, I don't know yeah but I don't know what she has but she's she called in I'm not gonna say where my wife works but you know she called in yesterday and today she still doesn't feel well mm-hmm. and I said why don't you just call in again and she said she'll get in trouble for calling in because she's sick. And I tried to tell her. So um, many years ago, before I in the career I am in now, I was a restaurant manager for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I've been to lots of training for management. You cannot be punished for being sick. Right. 
And I was trying to tell her that. And she said, no, they're going to give me an occurrence. And you can only have so many occurrences and you come to a different level. I'm like, you can't be punished for being sick. Right. That's against the law. Yeah. Even if you like, even if they were to write you up in something, you can contest that. Oh, yeah. Or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, I would. There's. I know I was trying to tell her, but she she didn't want to hear it. So it, there's, I mean, I it's it's the generalized fear. Like I mean, like I I, work, I know, and that's how shitty it is. I won't say I will. I, I've never really said the store that I work at, but like you know, it's like any other business. Like they have those kind of occurrence things too. But I've never really we've never had an issue with that. So yeah, but just so you know, you can't. That's just like if you called in, your manager can't ask you what are you sick with. No, no, no that's no. against the law too. No, they just say like, okay, get better, go home. Yeah, go, uh, eat some soup or and, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you should see this right now. Kellen is hugging Ryan, and it's like a tender father-son <laughs> sitcom moment. Uh, I'm just waiting for a pie to hit my face so yeah. that it's complete, and then it'll say executive producer Norman Lear. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but we also I talk about uh, movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, movie news, and movies we've been watching throughout the week, or in my case, I guess a week and a half. Um, so I guess we'll start with movie news. It's real news. All right. I'm playing a lot of Tomb Raider too. <laughs> <laughs> the new one? Like, uh yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of new. I so games tend to drop all at once. Yeah. So it came out, I think, a week after Spider-Man. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I played Spider-Man continuously, and then I was just dabbling in. Uh, Tomb Raider, right? But Kellen really likes watching Tomb Raider, really, because um, you know it's adventure and action, and it's got a uh, nice jungle atmosphere. And yeah. I'm sure it looks great on that 4K. Oh no, it's beautiful. Yeah, um, yeah. There's this badass part where like uh, Laura thinks her friend has been killed, mm-hmm. and she falls into the, like this uh, lake, and she comes up, and it's it, it's shot really badass. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you got to picture her slowly rising up out of the water, oh. and it's lit by. Um, like fire and stuff behind her uh, and then she picks up a gun and just starts wasting people it's pretty awesome there, i can't remember because it's been over almost a year since we saw uh tomb raider but were there shots like that were like just yeah. like badass lit by the fire yeah so like uh tomb raider is based on um the new set of games that came out right <laughs> and um so yeah it has that same aesthetic to it nice well, um, I, I kind of—I'll I, have to rewatch it. I, I remember being very tepid in my review. I, I think it's—I like, like it. Yeah, I know. It, 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 I didn't hate it. Um, I think it was. Okay. It made me wish that I had seen other films in the um, drive-through, the, the drive-in though, because that was the only drive-in movie I yeah. saw last year. Which I was like, "Ah, oh, is this the only one? Shit." <laughs> um, well, anyway, in the news, um, we have a couple deaths to get out of the way. Um, uh-huh. This wasn't uh, reported by us last week, but uh, Bruno Gans passed away uh, at the age of seventy-seven. Bruno Gans was in a lot of uh, uh, movies like Wings of Desire and stuff like that, but he's best known by internet standards. For being Adolf Hitler in the movie Downfall, which is <laughs> which bef- is now the source of numerous and very hilarious internet videos. But if you've seen the movie Downfall, he's amazing in the movie. It yep. it's um I remember when I watched it, and I think the only reason I found out about it was because of Smodcasts in mm, some capacity. Yeah. Um, but like I remember watching it, and it was like it, it it's. It's an incredibly shot and well acted film, and Bruno Gans was phenomenal in it. Um, but yeah, g- great actor to work with. Like I said, Werner Herzog, uh, Wim Wenders, and Coppola. Um, he will be missed. Um, today, though, off the um, off the presses, Stanley Donen passed away at the age of ninety four. 
Uh, Stanley Donan, best known f- as the director of Singing in the Rain and Charade, Cover Girl, Best f- Forward. Uh, this guy is a legend. Is in the golden uh, I mean, age that we're obsessed with. I mean, Singing in the Rain is maybe the greatest musical of all time, at, if not at least in the top ten or even. Oh, the, I would yeah. say the top three. Yeah, in uh, terms of movie musicals. Oh, and yeah. then I mean, Charade is. Charade's amazing. Charade. <laughs> His commentary on the Criterion is pretty astounding. Oh no, it's great. Because um, it's the, I mean, it's the only extra on the Criterion, which is really bizarre. But but it's still it's like, pretty solid. It's more than enough to to utilize in that. But like, and he worked with uh, he worked with like I said, Gene Kelly a lot. Um, he uh, it, on the town is the one he worked on with. I heard Gene Kelly like on sets was an asshole. He was a demanding perfectionist. I have a documentary, if you want to borrow it, um, about him. It's just a 90-minute documentary that uh, TCM put out. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's on its own desk. I found it at work, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to know more about the art of the American dance. Because that was his whole thing was he was trying to – every country had their own style of dance, and America didn't have a traditional set standard yeah. of dance. And that's basically what he created through those films. Yeah, I heard he made co-stars in Singing in the Rain's Life's Horrible. I would that would not surprise me at all. That's <laughs> <laughs> reading stuff after the fact on IMDb pages. Yeah, you know, but um, but yeah. Also, he um he did Bedazzled with Dudley Moore, <laughs> which <laughs> remade by Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah, that's like that's one of those weird things. Like, oh, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I I like Dudley Moore a lot. I, I don't think I like the concept either way. So um, no, but I mean, it's fine. He, he made a great lot of special movies yeah 94 like again another golden age guy gone uh, made some wonderful films that we cherish to this day um we got a couple of trailers um we got one for dragged across concrete which is mel gibson and vince vaughn uh teaming up with the guy who directed Bo- bone tomahawk and uh I love bone tomahawk brawl in cell block 99 which that one's all right i have not seen either of them yet um so um, remind tra- me send me a text and i'll bring you back black landsman and I'll let you borrow those two <laughs> yeah because i like um, bone tomahawk more I, I i hear they're very grindhousey uh yeah. affairs like they're very uh, yeah uh, 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 cell block takes a little bit to get going bone tomahawk is a western that's a hybrid horror film and it's really good nice perfect um i cannot wait okay. to uh see that uh, we also got a trailer for a movie that i've been Rumble. following for a while and i i'm sure got. others on the podcast have too it's called pennywise the story of it which is a behind the scenes documentary about the making of the miniseries which uh you've been vocal in your distaste for it or yep. dislike and i having seen it recently was not the biggest fan but i enjoyed the ch- chintzy factor of it all yeah um but uh, i mean it's a tv movie from 1990 so but i will say like the documentary looks interesting and i love anything that talks about a movie that tommy lee wallace made so <laughs> True. like obviously i do love revisiting the story of halloween 3 the season of the witch so um but yeah the trailer looks fine um it's it's a it's an indiegogo affair so like yeah. it'll be fun um I like that the the stuff that they're offering, like they were offering like exclusive slip covers if you bought it and yeah. stuff like that. Like those, that was a pretty neat like a little addition to the whole affair. So I totally dug that. Um, Ryan, uh, we're getting a Quiet Place too, and uh, all your favorite people are coming back. I know I love Emily Blunt. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever said that on this podcast. <laughs> I, I I I'm not sure you have. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> that, like, did she have a car? Um, uh, no, she did have a shotgun though. No, oh, she, she did get a car at the end of the movie. Oh, can you imagine that? <laughs> um, uh, John Krasinski is uh, coming back to direct and also to help write the script. Uh, Emily Blunt will be returning. Uh, also, the two kids from the film. Um, I th- what's her name? Mill- Millicent Simmons and mm-hmm. Noah Jupe. That's a quick turnaround. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, it was a good movie. I mean, um, it's a great movie. It's one of those things where I think uh, they were surprised by how successful it was, not I, knowing that. I mean, I'm sure they thought it had a potential, mm-hmm. but 
you know, I mean, it made almost four hundred million dollars worldwide. Su- I was surprised why by how little uh, they were trying to push it in the awards thing, and then I remembered that it even it because it, it, it's since it's not universal like handling it, which is can handle horror pretty well as we've seen with Blumhouse and stuff. Like Paramount, I don't think knew how to push it correctly. <laughs> Paramount has never known how to sell horror. Well, I know that <laughs> we. Oh, we, 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 give me back Jason, please. I mean, it's not even just for me, it's for Ryan. Like, Ryan yeah. needs it or he'll die. And of how cancer. much money does, like, Victor Miller need? Why don't you just pay him off? Give him, like, $15 million. <laughs> I, every time I listen to an interview with Victor Miller, like, I mean, I respect the man. He, he wrote yeah, the I, I don't think there's anything wrong with him challenging it, but it's like, dude, are you really that, like, um, hung up on one, a creation that you still make lots of money off of. Right. I, I think it's 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 a tricky situation because there's part of me that's like, well, yeah, dude, but like, look how much notoriety you'll have. Like, your legacy's set for life. Yeah. Man. And I mean, you know, the it's always going to boil down to is, I mean, who really created Jason? And oh. and it's, you know, I, I know this because I've read Crystal Lake Memories. I've watched all the documentaries. <laughs> Victor Miller created a boy who drowned in a lake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other writers created a hulking, hot, machete-wielding yeah. maniac. <laughs> so uh, it's tough, and that's what happens when you have nothing but negative pickups on all the films. Also, sorry to be so brutal um, uh, and blunt about the term boy who drowned in a lake. That felt really weird to say. Um, but yeah, Quiet Place 2 should be fun. I enjoyed that film. Uh, we're getting another two, though, and this is up henry's alley uh in 2021 we are getting the return of the toon squad uh, yep Le- lebron james and space jam 2 has been slated for july 16th 2021 i guess they probably have to start filming that like in the fall or something because i'm sure the special effects would take a while and uh, also uh, them working around lebron's schedule yeah um, uh, so. that'd be in the summer yeah so uh we'll see i mean like i I've said this in my head since they announced this news because I want it. Okay. Yeah, he's um, being I, a booger. I've said I've said this since it in my head since it, the news has come up that they want to redo this. I'm like, well, what's that gonna be? <laughs> and do I really care? Because like I love the Looney Tunes a lot, but and I and I like Space Jam. Fine, it's a it's a family memory, but yeah, I I don't care if that's what they want to do with looney tunes that i'd rather yeah. just stick to my well, dvds <laughs> so my problem with it and whatever looney i mean space jams whatever mm-hmm. um is i don't i think it's like neutered versions of the looney tunes so i have a hard time right you know i i will say though like and this is one of the things that like i mean i love henry's appreciation for it and i do appreciate that film for its commitment to insanity um it's 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 certainly watchable still yeah like, no, i can the still fine. watch the film I just prefer my Looney Tunes a little more loony. But I do wonder, I'm like, mm, do I really need another one? I, I, I've got one of them, and it's fine. And I, I don't know. We'll see, though. Um, I mean, Ryan yeah. Coogler's producing it, so that'll be lots of fun. You know? Yeah. Can't really. Well, I need to be successful so LeBron James can produce Friday the 13th. <laughs> I agree. I love that he said that. That made me so happy. Um, we uh, This is something I wasn't expecting Uh and I think you'll know more about it than I will because I'm not the biggest wrestling fan. Chris Hemsworth's going to play Hulk Hogan? <laughs> I know. That's maybe the greatest news ever. What the fuck? <laughs> um, I don't see it, but I also <laughs> think that's going to be amazing because Hemsworth is such a talented comedian. Right. And I, I, I don't know if they're going to play it straight or if they're going to play it silly. 
I don't know. It, it's, I mean, and it's Netflix doing it, so. Yeah, and I heard they're not going to deal with his Gawker lawsuit. It's really just his rise through the 80s, through the Hulkamaniacs. So. Well, I I mean, the the Gawker thing, did you watch the documentary on Netflix, Nobody Speak, uh-uh. about the Gawker thing? It's it's not necessarily just about him. He's kind of oh, like yeah. the catalyst well, that kicks it off. I mean, he brought him down. So. Right, but it's also about like the, it's about those types of like scandals and how yeah. they get out there and it all leads back to like what we're dealing with today but um there's a lot of hulk hogan stories that are oh, yeah. pretty incredible like regardless of how i i don't know do you ever watch the documentary andre yeah the the one hbo did yeah it's yeah, amazing yeah. yeah the one where they talk about his final fight is pretty astounding like that would be a great document or oh, a, yeah. a feature film in and of itself so yeah I, you know because i mean yeah I, I i do like old school wrestling and the story leading up to that i think is really really fascinating how hulk never knew if you know andre would actually go through with what they had planned and he was shocked when he did so yeah i think that's a really fascinating story well um what's even more fascinating to me is that the iron sheik had something to say about this news (laughs) yeah did you read this tweet no i'm gonna read it to you and i'm going to be as tactful as i can because it's all in caps chris hemsworth you jabroni I swear to Jesus, I suplex you when I see you remember who make the Hulkamania and is the real legend of the earth. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Bless the, you, Iron Sheep. Yeah. Bless you. I mean, the, the, the funny thing is, is the Hulkamania really was oh, catapulted I, by that because at the time is, you know, Cold War, mm-hmm. Russian. Yeah. Um, and at the, I, I can't remember. I just really watched a documentary about this and. I can't remember if the Iron Sheik was the champion for a really long time, and he and they call it in the business called putting someone over. Yeah, and you know Hogan did beat him and put him over. I think he was a champion for like a year or something. I um, I, it's there's a documentary on the Sheik on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. One of the sites uh, that I saw a long, uh, not a long time, like a couple of years ago, but I I'd want to rewatch it. I it's the so Iron weird, Sheik like, is a character. Yeah, no, no, like that, no, they did a documentary on the guy who yeah. like. De- oh no, I mean like. In real life and in the wrestling ring is quite the character. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But so, like, I, it's funny because, like, I've never – I never followed wrestling, but the documentaries that have been coming out lately about wrestlers have been supremely fascinating. Oh, yeah. So, they're really fascinating. Um, like, I still like Resurrecting Jake the Snake's my favorite oh, just yeah. because I really like the story, um, even though it's probably the most, like, inspirational coming to Jesus. Oh, yeah. but, well, I mean, have you ever seen Beyond the Mat? No, not that You one, should no. watch that and – it. So Jake the Snake is in it, mm-hmm. and it's when he's like really bad at drugs. Oh, it's really good. I want to also really see the one that you put on your '98 um, list. Wrestling it, with Shadows. Yeah, Wrestling it's with Shadows. Man. Yeah, the the uh, Hitman. Yeah, Hitman. Um, but yeah, so that'll be interesting. Um, do you know Ryan anything about George Romero's novel, The Living Dead? Uh, I did when I read the tweet by the guy who co-wrote it. Yeah. So apparently, it's going to be published in 2020. So. George A. Romero's uh, last piece of work will be available for us to see. Did I hear, too, right, that he made a couple movies <laughs> that haven't been released? I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. I didn't see Or maybe it. it's unfilmed screenplays. Yeah, I don't I don't see anything on this article about it. But, um, I mean, regardless, like, it'd be interesting to see if somebody would be able to tackle those. But I wouldn't want, like, I mean, I certainly don't want a studio to get a hold of them. I would want yeah. someone on the independent end to do it because yeah. it would seem more correct given uh, Romero's past and whatnot. We'll talk about it in what we've been watching, but I watched a documentary about 
that talks about Night of the Living Dead in it. And from a perspective that I hadn't really talked about like, or thought about as much. And Romero is a genius. Uh, like, even if he was modest about it. Oh, and, and I love Romero. And I love watching interviews with him. Oh, yeah. Because he's really, really fun. His commentaries are really fun, too. He's very open. Or, very. Yeah, he just, he's, I, I like his, like, demeanor of just like i don't care yeah i mean in um <laughs> they're movies <laughs> i love his one on land of the dead because he talks about it was originally called dead reckoning because mm. you know the trucking is called dead reckoning right and he talks about how he didn't like the cgi stuff in it mm-hmm. and um you know there's that one where the zombies like flips its head over and bites the person when it's head's hanging back oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he, he talks about that that never ever worked and i mean he's right yeah no but um it's um it's good to know that his last piece of work will be available. Heck yeah. I'll I'll, I'll get it. it. Um and then the last piece of news is just for me. Uh it's the 40th anniversary this year of Monty Python's Life of Brian, my favorite Monty Python movie, and we're going to be getting a re-release in the theaters. So All right, enjoy it, that. I will. Yeah. You, you all you people who don't think it's cool, shut up. <laughs> um but anyway, that's news. Cool. Any sweet Blu-rays coming out next week? I'll find out. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Bye. <laughs> Whatever. No, come back. Whatever. Come back. Loser. We'll talk about it. <laughs> um, well, uh, we've actually got a lot of cool stuff. Uh, first off, Wreck It Ralph is coming to 4K Blu-ray digital and uh, sweet new steelbook. Ralph breaks the internet. I'm sorry, Wreck It Ralph. Ralph breaks the internet. Wreck Ralph. Ralph to um, John C. Riley breaks the internet. Yes, <laughs> that, that's what I'm going to call it. The Sisters Brothers to Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> um, and then uh, we're also getting 4Ks though of the Little Mermaid, um, mm-hmm. the original uh, animated classic. Also, it could be a part of your world. Oh yeah, exactly. Actually, the Steel Book on Little Mermaid is pretty cool. Um, it's a little bit more. Um, or maybe no, that's a Target exclusive. Sorry. I'm looking at the wrong one. But also, um, this is the one that I'm going to be picking up is Captain America. The first Avenger is finally getting released on 4K, and it's got a really cool steelbook that looks amazing. I love when they take um, the titles of the movies off the steelbooks, and it's just art. Yep, I agree. Um, it And this one is the uh, initial... I, I think the final one sheet from when it was released in yeah, 11. I so. So. And, and um, I mean, I was reading... Uh, I don't know if it was on Digital Bits or High Def Digest... The, they're going to release the other Captain Americas before Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and uh, Disney confirmed without confirming that they're going to slowly trickle out the rest of the um, Avengers and MCU in 4K. Yeah, well, that's cool. That 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 means it. I like that they're spacing them out so I don't go broke. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. Until they put out that Ultimate Edition next year at some point. Yeah, which that'll that'll like you know make you put out a second mortgage. No. Um, uh, but uh, uh, what I will say, though, is like I, I'm glad I waited for this steelbook because uh, First Avenger, regardless of how many great films they've made, First Avenger is still my favorite Marvel film. probably. No, um, and uh, actually, it would remain that even I think we should do a top 10 Marvel film explosion for game. That'd be amazing. Um, but anyway, we've also got other stuff. Um, Shout Select is putting out used cars, which is uh, Robert Zemeckis film. That is uh, All right. it's. It's the thing they do before they get to go do Back to the Future, and that's great. Um, Shout's also putting out the 2003 remake of Willard, which I, love I, that movie. I think I like the original one a lot because it's got a creepy atmosphere. It was shot back in the day, but Crispin Glover. Have you ever listened to his commentary? No. Oh, it's brilliant. So I'm hoping. I haven't 
um, I used to have the DVD and I think I still have it, but on the DVD, um, he does a commentary cause he also did a cover of Ben, Michael uh-huh. Jackson's Ben. Yeah. 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 And the video is really weird and he directed yeah. and he does a commentary on it and he, uh, no joke. He'll, so let's say it starts. He said, okay, this pot shot, I was going for blah, blah, blah. And he talks so fast and he, so I think the video is like three and a half minutes, four minutes long. And you just bombarded with information cause he seems like he doesn't take a breath. Wow. And he just keeps going. And over here we had this rat, and it was so his commentaries are brilliant. Wow, incredible! I cannot wait for that. Um, coming from uh, presumably just a back label is the Mole People. Yeah, that's Shout Factory from a last age horror crawls from the earth the, from the depths of the earth. The Mole People. Yes. It's a Shout Factory, and it includes. I mean, Scream Factory it includes the. Uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 as a bonus on there. Oh, it is Shout. Oh, gosh. It didn't have the... Oh, because it's Scream. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, they wouldn't put the thing in But, I mean, there. I think it's worth it just to get, you know, the Mole People and the Mystery Science Theater 3000 oh, oh, episode agree. on there. I like when the ones that they have done for MST3K are able to be included onto the initial release of the film because that indicates that it is a classic, but they were able to somehow <laughs> budge it into their show. Um, also in 4K, Mary Queen of Scots, uh, a.k.a. a movie f- that Corinne found underwhelming. Uh, so you can check out Margot Robbie as a queen. And, I do like Margot Robbie. Yeah, so there you go. Um, also, they're re-releasing the movie Spun with Brittany Murphy, which I don't remember. <laughs> so nope. um, I know it exists. She's been dead for like eight years. I, it's so weird. Right? I remember when she was like at least somewhat of a thing. I know. And it's like so weird, the whole story, because her like husband died, was it two weeks later? Yeah. Like they're thinking that they both had got some mold, or I don't know, it's weird. You can yeah. read it on if you go online. I remember when she first died, they were like, just like, oh, it must have been drugs. must have been drugs. And it's like, no, it must yeah, have been drugs. It's like pneumonia yeah, it's with like, anema or something. I forget what it was. It's, like it's as, really bizarre. It's as weird to me as when Bernie Mac died, and I'm like, he died from that? Oh, shit, that sucks. Yeah. Um, also from Shout, uh, Shout Select hey. is the Legally Blonde collection. So um, if you want to bend and snap with Legally Blonde 1 and 2, you can get those on Blu-ray. Sure. Um, my sister loves those movies. Yeah, I mean, they're never my thing, but I know a lot of people that like them. We saw the first one in the theater, and my sister and I would rewatch it constantly, but I have not seen it in years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do not remember if... A, is it any good? And B, is it any any appropriate in the current uh, current day and age? <laughs> good question. It's, it, I mean, it's certainly an interesting... Is it 2003? It's 2003, but it's just like the humor I remember being a How little bit How do I know like, the year that came out? <laughs> God, been... Reese Witherspoon infected your brain that year. Yeah, with her pointy chin. <laughs> um, and then uh, Wild Rovers from Warner Archive... Um, and Tinseltown from Twilight Time. So, and then seems to be it as far as I can see here. Um, there's a re-release of My Fair Lady. Oh, um, good movie. Yeah, Jack L. Warner's My Fair Lady. You know what I love most about that? What is Julie Andrews won the Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> sure, remember uh-huh. in Audrey Hepburn's face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take that Audrey Hepburn who died 35 years ago. Yeah, and then two days later, uh, and February 28th will be my birthday, and the only thing that will be available is Fantasex. Wow. <laughs> Which I'm like, okay. Wow, <laughs> subtle plug there, yeah, Zach. No, yeah, no, no, no. But I, I was looking down going like, there are actually movies being released that day, mm. and this is the other one. Sure enough, it's just, look at this. This is weird. Pick it up. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to, you know what I should do like Henry did when he reviewed that one porno <laughs> from the, that That's software? right. That Love Lisa or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, I forget. Oh, God. But anyway, that's Blu-rays. We also watch movies 
throughout the week in a segment I call Movies That We've Watched Throughout the Week. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Zach? Um... I actually got through a good a good ton of stuff. Um, I did another fitness cinema um, on my phone though because this whole month has been on filled your with phone. yeah because this whole month's been full of films that I just don't want to watch. Um, uh, it, it it's rom com month like Mar- March will be better. Um, but um, so I just decided to rewatch Mars Attacks um because it was on Prime. Um, I got a good like. 1100 calories done yeah. on it um movie's all right i like the movie a lot um there's a they're doing a mini series on tim burton films on blank check right now and paul f Tompkins was on the episode about mars attacks and it reminded me of how brilliant that film really is uh mm. and rewatching it <laughs> creature designs are brilliant yeah rewatching it though like it is Tim Burton's Doctor Strange Love, which is a strange sentence to say. I guess say. so, yeah. Like Jack Nicholson apparently wanted to play more than just So let me characters. get this right. The <laughs> aliens attack. That's like, my horrible Jack Nicholson. Apparently he wanted to play more than one or more than two of the characters. Like he wanted to do a Peter Sellers, which would have been incredible. Yeah. Insane, but incredible. Uh and I liked rewatching Rod Steiger uh as the the head of the military and him just like like Pounding desks and like yelling in Jack Nicholson's face, I thought was hilarious. Um, I forgot Lucas Haas is in that movie, That's and right. he, him and his grandma are the ones who saved the day with the Whit Stillman song or the Slim Whitman song. Um, and um, Glenn Close, uh, this year's Oscar nominee, gets killed by a chandelier falling on her head. <laughs> um, uh, and also, like, the, the aliens are a bunch of nihilists, and it's pretty hilarious to watch them not give a fuck while they're blowing up yeah. the Earth. Um, so it's a good excuse for some explosions, and I still enjoy it. Um, Danny DeVito is, like, literally in two scenes in that movie, and I don't understand why he's there, but <laughs> I don't care. Um, and then uh, I've been keeping up with Star Trek again. Uh, I got through Best of the Both Worlds again, which was still an amazing two-parter uh, where Captain Picard is assimilated by the Borg. Uh leads into uh the classic film first contact sorry you're with the one guy who could care less oh well, that's true <laughs> but you like first contact I, I like the movies yeah the you, shows are a tough sell on me you might want to watch uh best of both worlds if you ever get a chance because it's basically the prequel to first well contact. you own it so i'll borrow it uh well it's on netflix that's is how, it that's oh, how, okay that's well then i'll watch it too because i have netflix um so um something that you and i will uh bond over um i rewatched Candyman. uh i hey, got that great movie i got the scream factory in uh I f- I have not seen it in a long time. I remember liking it, but that was about it. Be my victim. I think in this rewatch that this is easily one of the greatest horror movies of the past thirty years ever made. I think it's one of the best in the nineties for sure. Definitely, it's uh, I mean, Candyman story about Virginia Madsen goes to investigate an urban legend, finds out it's true, and it fucks up her life. Uh, with Tony Todd being the the said Candyman, you can't say his name five times. How many times have we said it so far? I don't know. Candyman, 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 God Candyman, Candyman. Uh, if I see Tony Todd in my basement tonight, you're fucking That's dead. awesome. <laughs> um, one of my, I loved, I met him, and it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. I hear there's an interview. There is, somewhere. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, Bernard Rose, the guy who directed it, though, like, I was looking at his filmography, like, he did that, Immortal Beloved, and that's yeah. kind of it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't do a lot of stuff after this, which is insane, and- 
I mean, like the story, like it, it moves pretty quick. Like it's about yeah. a ninety-minute movie, like roughly. Yeah, yeah and I, I think I want to say that Candyman doesn't show up for forty-five minutes. Yeah, like no, he's no. in it a little bit at the beginning with Ted Raimi. I always laugh when I see Ted Raimi. Yeah, <laughs> no, the the terror of the film is really like the setting and how oh, they, yeah. and how they utilize it and the the socioeconomic climate of the Chicago area, like in the upper wealthy side versus you know downtown yeah. in the ghetto. Um and um and Virginia Madsen I think uh, is great. Oh, though. I think she's, she's amazing. And I think uh not the uh like the little ending ending, but I think the ending with her is heartbreaking and really scary. Yeah, not 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 we're not talking about the very very end yeah. where this shit goes bananas. Yeah. I'm um, talking about um her, you know, her sacrifice sacrificing in the, in the, herself in, in and, the fire. I mean like it's been th- close to 30 years I think we could spoil yeah. this. Yeah. No, she uh she saves a baby that was kidnapped by the candy man uh but in the process dies in a bonfire. Did uh, you watch the uh director's cut? I still haven't no. Um, uh so it's what's the, the difference. S- <laughs> nothing. So it's the same length. Uh-huh. And so that scene where uh, she's talking to the doctor and he gets killed, uh-huh. there's about 15 seconds of standard death like put into it because uh-huh. I guess they couldn't find it. Right. I mean, it doesn't look that bad. It actually, it, it matches pretty well, um, but it's just way more violent. Oh. Like uh, like blood flies everywhere. And Okay. Um, but that's the only difference. Well, that's still enough to Oh, no, it's definitely. It out, oh, I mean, it's definitely unrated. It <laughs> seems like that's an excuse because I looked at the way the special features are spread out and I'm like, well, this is clearly the bonus feature disc. Yeah. It's kind of the same with how the Army of Darkness one is set Yeah, up, I agree. Where it's like the international version, all, it's all scattered, but it's all there. Yeah. Um, well, but, I mean, Army of Darkness, each cut's way different, yeah, but and, um, Candyman's the same. And so, and also, this gave me a reevaluation of Philip Glass. Uh, I don't like Philip Glass's score for Dracula that they did in the mid-90s or late mid to late-90s for those re-releases um, of the original film because the original Dracula had no score. Philip Glass was commissioned to do a score. I don't like it. The score for Candyman, though, is fucking amazing, yeah. and it's classical music in and of itself. Um, I think it, what makes it stand out, too, it's kind of an American modern gothic film. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, the ghetto that they're in is, I mean, the way it's shot, the way it has, the, you know, the mur- the murals on it and... It's the way it's lit, too, yeah, like, and especially really at night. Very gothic. Um, it, like, it, because it, it, yeah, God, it's... It's very tethered to the American experience, yeah. which is amazing. And I feel like one of the strangest things about it on this rewatch was how much of a twisted love story it was oh, yeah. pushing. Um, which, when you watch Immortal Beloved and this back to back, it kind of makes sense because that Bernard Rose can kind of push that kind of weird, twisted version of romance in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tony Todd is great. I mean, oh, he's amazing. I would like to rewatch the sequels, but I remember not really enjoying those. Uh, Farewell to Flesh is okay. It's it's so it's, it's, it's hard. Bill, it's Bill Condon. Yeah, and yeah. I like Bill Condon, but it, I mean, it, it's hard to follow up that film. Yeah, and there, there's some moments that are pretty effective. I mean, they actually show his lynching and stuff, mm-hmm. and I mean, it's it's heartbreaking and kind of it, it makes you sympathize with him more, which is really weird because I mean, he I mean, in Candyman, he's pretty ruthless. Yeah, but there's this like pain behind his ruthlessness yeah if that makes sense well, and when you hear his story of his origin like yeah. he is very much a victim and, oh yeah i mean th- you know what's interesting is i think a lot of slashers are vi- besides freddy krueger yeah i think a lot of them are victims i mean yeah jason is an unstoppable killing machine but he's really a victim yeah no he was dr- he drowned uh, in the lake and i mean michael's not really anything he's uh, a, he's, he's the boogeyman yeah. he's he's kind of well, a blank slate <laughs> well i mean it, i mean what hell are you talking about <laughs> 
Oh, I- I'm sorry, I forgot. His his fa- his stepfather William Forsythe did beat him. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, but no, um, yeah, Candyman, ch- check it out. Oh it's yeah, scream, uh, scream, ba- scream, scream, it's amazing. They did a great job cleaning that thing up. Um, and <clears throat> on that front, though, I watched a Shutter documentary called Horror Noir. Mm. Uh, which is a film about African-American horror experience. Um, oh, yeah. And that's the film that I was talking about that talked about Night of the Living Dead because so what's interesting is that so it's it's basically the history of s- horror cinema through the African-American experience. So the beginning part of it, they're talking a lot about how the experience itself is the horror film. Yeah. Um, but then you go further and they're like, OK, now we're actually starting to make movies because, you know, we're, we're breaking barriers. And Night of the Living Dead is one of the first they talk about because of Dwayne Jones, whose amazing performance oh, in, that in that film. Um, hearing that perspective on it, I've heard it before, but not in the way they describe it in mm-hmm. the documentary. And you have people like Ken Forey and Keith David on the documentary talking about how they felt watching it for the first time. You have the director of Tales from the Hood, which mm-hmm. is a movie I haven't seen in a long time, but yeah. I remember liking. Um, I mean, like, whether or not I'll still love it is dependent on a rewatch, but um, it's interesting to hear them talk about that. They talk about a lot of stuff in the mid seventies, especially Blackula. Like, I mean, that's probably one of the best Blackula special features you'll ever see is the director of it talking about Mm. it there. Um, And they also, you know, they talk a lot about get out too, because get out's kind of the impetus to discuss this history of the the African-American experience in there. Candyman's obviously discussed tales from the hood. Um, and a, a lot of other films that I didn't expect to be on those lists of discussion that I'm definitely going to go check out. But it's a 90-minute documentary on Shudder. So if you got Shudder for four ninety nine, you can check that out for free. Yeah, I'm excited. They're going to put um, Eli Roth's um, History of Horror on there. <sighs> yes. And they're doing um, like a podcast with the extended interviews with all the people involved. Ooh, nice. And I think they're going to put it on Shudder as well so you can watch like the video one. So I'm kind of excited about that because if you haven't seen it, uh, it was on AMC. It's really good. Yeah, I've I've have heard. I it was like the Robert Kirkman one. I wanted to wait mm-hmm. until it was done, and then I could watch it. Yeah. I still haven't seen the James Cameron one. It's mainly because I don't want to watch James Cameron <laughs> talk. He's fine. He wrote a fine movie last week. Um, I uh, I went through two Bogart films. Uh, to complement your Cary Grant obsession, nice. I decided to watch my Ultimate Badass. Um, I mean, he's he's no Cary Grant. <laughs> no, but uh, Cary Grant's no Bogart. Um, hey. Uh, uh, but one of the first one I watched was Across the Pacific, which is a film from 1942, directed by John Huston. I'm sorry, what was the name? Across the Pacific. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Across the Pacific is a straight-up propaganda World War II film. Grandfather um, loved that movie. Uh, made almost immediately after Pearl Harbor and released after Pearl Harbor, just before John Huston <sighs> entered the service and shot documentaries for the War Department. The film, um, and one of the things I love about Ryan and I's love of film history is we'll talk about these things, and we were talking about context um, over text um, earlier in the week. And this film, you have to go in with a lot of context involved. Um, it's uh, the it's basically Humphrey Bogart plays a man who is out to catch um, Japanese saboteurs um, and people involved with Japanese saboteurs so that they don't steal in, so that they don't find flight patterns and then are able to attack the United States and the portrayal of Japanese Americans is of its time. And it's, it's only like watchable in the sense of like, this was the enemy to people at the time. So it is very much a relic of it. It doesn't make it unwatchable though. 
it's still watchable for Bogart's performance, Mary Astor's performance, um, Sydney oh, Green's like treat. Yeah, Sydney Green cheats the villain, and he's great in it. Um, but again, like if those things do bother you, you may want to skip it. It's uh, but I think it's you know I, we were talking about it, and it's it's hard because you know at at the time, I mean, Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, so right. there's a lot of um, patriotism and um, a lot of jingoistic and a lot of jingoistic views on we got to fight back and how how we because because at that point yeah we were also going to fight in the war in europe but you know japan came to pearl harbor so there's a little more resentment there and i i you know cary grant did some more movies at this time yeah one of which i was asking about you earlier in the week yeah um which i i I didn't have time to watch but um you know he said because he was uh, I think it was just a little too old to go into the service because at that time I think he was like 44, 42. Uh, yeah, roughly about that. And so he wanted to help any way he could because, I mean, a lot of people don't know. So Cary Grant was born in England mm-hmm. and his mom left him. And so he joined vaudeville. Yeah. And, and if you watch his early movies, he still has kind of that vaudevillian pat, pat or two. Exactly. And even his way he you know acts. Um, so he couldn't. And so he became a, an American citizen and he couldn't fight in the war but he thought by doing uh, movies like um, Destination Tokyo and things like that that he would be helping the war effort because he couldn't go so he says you know what I'm going to be you know a guy who takes a submarine to Tokyo or whatever the case may be right which is which is like it, it is definitely the same case with um, other actors of the period like some do get more directly involved like James Stewart did and um, and and you have people like John Huston and William Wyler and John Ford going out there and filming those documentaries for the war effort. But um, but I mean, and across the Pacific, I think it's bigger problem other than its portrayal of Japanese Americans because that's gonna be of the period no matter what. It's very hastily put together. Mm. Um, it I like the story a lot, and John Huston's a genius writer director. Oh, yeah. But it's not my favorite of his films, mainly because I think it's super rushed. The only reason I know it's super rushed is because he wants to go off to war. Yeah. So uh, it's I mean can't hold it too much against it. It's still immensely watchable. Uh, it's got a lot of great action action sequences in it, but they are kind of like tethered together in a weird way. So um, I'd still check it out though. Um, the other Bogart movie I watched though, uh, which I hadn't seen in a long time, and I You've never seen Casablanca. No, what sh- a dick. What Treasure of Sierra Madre? No, I've never heard of it. <laughs> No, this is a one. This is one that is a great film that I had completely forgotten about over the years, called All Through the Night, um, which is a film by Vincent Sherman, um, starring Humphrey Bogart, with early appearances by Phil Silvers and Jackie Gleason. Um, Ryan, have you ever seen All Through the Night? <laughs> I have not. Okay, you're gonna love this movie. I'm going to give you a very quick rundown of it. Humphrey Bogart. Uh, Humphrey Bogart is a gangster who is well loved by the neighborhood who stumble across uh, who stumbles across the murder of a baker that he loves and his mother tells him to investigate it because she has a feeling. (laughs) So Humphrey Bogart investigates the murder of this baker. Kind of like the Maltese Falcon. (laughs) Do you want to know where the murder of this baker leads to? Yeast. Spoiler alert. It's a Nazi plot. Yes. (laughs) Humphrey Bogart. The whole movie is Humphrey Bogart infiltrating a Nazi uh, American Nazi nest inside of New York City. I love when they fight Nazis. Um, this one is basically all the things you think about wanting <laughs> to happen in Casablanca actually coming to life. It's like a comedy. Or actually, more to the point, the way it's shot, and you do want to watch it, it's like an early action movie. 
And like instead of like a Stallone or a Schwarzenegger, you have Humphrey Bogart, and there are one-liners in it, and it's pretty incredible. See, here's the thing: is I love Notorious, yeah, because Cary Grant is so mean to uh, Bergman because she's a Nazi. She forces him to marry Claude Rains in it, right? And you know, infiltrate the Nazis. I love it. Yeah, and he's so mean to her, right? And the reason I'm describing it to you this way is because one, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I don't remember a lot of it. Um, but I I knew the title and about uh, <coughs> Conrad Veidt from Casablanca being in it and also playing another Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've forgotten the inter- intricate details of this film, and it is just a flat out action comedy that happens to also be a movie where people punch out Nazis like crazy. It's pretty awesome to watch. And again, like any film of the era, there is some context issues. There's there's a couple weird shots where when you see them, you'll know what they are. <laughs> but everything else about this movie is fucking amazing. And it almost makes me wonder if Quentin Tarantino watched this before going to make Inglorious Bastards. Nice. Because there's some similarities in the finale to this film that there are in Inglorious Bastards just in terms of the way characters interact. Um but I also, like, especially in the current day and age we live in, I'd love to see this kind of action movie happen because <laughs> it's Heck pretty yeah. awesome. Um, there's a there's a scene literally where, at, like, one guy's knocking out a bunch of Nazis, and after he hits one each time, he writes V for victory with chalk on their backs and just throws them into a pile. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's one guy who uh, – Phil Silvers actually has what a great moment where he goes – he tries to trick them by drawing them out by like he'll go he'll grab one person by the collar and go heil and then if they heil he hits him in the head with a hammer and knocks him into another pile reasonable response yeah um and he's funny in it and jackie gleason's in it he's in it for like i don't know like 15 minutes and he's not anything funny necessarily he's just a heavy in the movie <laughs> love but, it but it's he's really young and he's kind of like slimmed down mm. so it's kind of weird seeing like what ralph cramden looks like <laughs> when he's trying to woo alice <laughs> so um but yeah i would check it out um it's uh an insane time love it. um and then the last thing i watched uh, or, or the last two things i watched were both digital um i watched happy death day the first one amazing film uh, fun. I could not believe I missed it. I feel so. The lead bad. actress is really good. She's wonderful. She is. I at first did not like her. I was just like, uh, I, I, think hate... I think you're not supposed to actually. Uh, well, well, I mean, yes, the character and whatnot. But I was just like, is she like doing that fake sorority girl thing and whatnot? Like him is. But then Bye. The, the movie <laughs> the movie goes on, and I'm just like, oh, she's she's making a deliberate choice, and it's very hilarious. Yeah. Um. That that works to the strength of the film. Uh, I like the twist. Yeah, and, um, you know, it's a although slasher it, movie with heart. It's really weird. Yeah, because it's not scary. No, I don't think it's scary. I think it's. I call it more of like a thriller. Yeah, it's suspenseful. Yeah, um, and I and I care about the characters, but there's nothing that's like chilling me to the core. No. So if anything, I think it's. I, I would actually classify it as a good murder mystery movie. Yeah. Like that's what I think it is. Um, and then the last thing I watched was Steven Soderbergh did a new movie for Netflix called High Flying Bird. Um, which I checked out. Um, it's an it's a uh, it's a film shot on an iPhone. Um, so it looks pretty. Yeah, that's what he's doing now. Yeah. Um, which I had not seen Unsane yet, so Never I didn't mind. know how that. I think the title's terrible, but I keep on hearing the movie's good. High Flying Bird. No, uh, Unsane. Uh, Unsane. I, I've heard it's like a good B movie schlock type of thing, mm. kind of like what Side Effects ended up being, um, uh, or Contagion. Sorry. Um, but High Flying Bird is uh an interesting film about uh an NBA lockout and how a sport, uh, how an, uh, a player manager um, tries to get the lockout resolved and 
I don't want to spoil a lot of it because it's a quick 90-minute watch that maybe you'll enjoy if you're into sports. But it's all about basically adhering to the rules of the game and when it's appropriate to break the rules. Um, not even just in terms of the game itself, but like the the foundation that holds the game, like the 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 the, the organization, like the NBA and like how it functions. And it's intercut with interviews of different rookies, and they talk about the rookie experience. It's one of those Steven Soderbergh films that I haven't seen in a while, where I really think. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. Um, it's honestly one of the best films I've seen this year, which mm. thanks Netflix for your fucking weather machine. I wish I could have seen this in the theater. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, I would recommend it, especially if you've got 90 minutes to kill. Like, And Zazie Beetz is in it. Zachary Kinto's in it. Um, they're like side characters and whatnot. And I think my favorite performance of the year thus far comes from Bill Duke playing a coach who works for a community center. And he has some of the best scenes I've seen in a movie in a while where he's just like he's got a very calm presence in the film talking about the realities of basketball, which I am heretofore unaware of. So I really appreciated the movie not treating me like an idiot, mm. but also not coddling me like a baby. So I would check it out. Um, it's on Netflix, so you don't risk any money. Uh, and that's all I watched this week. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh few things I, I got my blu-ray of uh, heart and souls which um is a robert downey jr film um did a specialty label put it out no it's universal so universal every once in a while puts out um like back catalog back catalog stuff on blu-ray they put the producers remake yeah. out recently <laughs> so um no special features oh. um the transfer is good i mean it, it's an upgrade from the dvd um <laughs> so it, the colors are a little more um pronounced uh in the film uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character is uh, born after this bus crashes, and these four souls, five, four, four souls are uh, <laughs> like attached to him. That and, number is very important. Yes, and so uh, they don't know why. And so when he's a little boy, um, you know, everyone thinks he's crazy because he says, you know, my friends. Um, and then Robert Downey Jr. shows up about 40 minutes into the movie. <laughs> um, but the movie's good. It's uh, Ron Underwood. Um, so, I mean, a competent director. Mm-hmm. Um, really good special effects for a 1993 film. Um, it's a little cheesy. But, I mean, so it basically boils down to is he has to fulfill, like, a loss or, like a like, a job for them. So, Charles Grodin's in it, and he's he left an audition and he never sang. So he has to sing in front of people. The real reason to see it is Robert Downey Jr. Is amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays five different people. Obviously plays the character he is in the film. And he also plays the four other um, angels. And uh, he inha- is really great. Um, that's the why you should see it. The movie is what it is. It's okay. Okay. Um, this is like, was he in his bad times around this? Uh, I think it's just before him. <laughs> just, just before So he's still, bad. you know, kind of doing it and not... Uh, I don't blame him. If I was on Ally McBeal, right. I'd not... No, so that's, now that's Ally McBeal, rude. I think, was like six years later. <laughs> yeah. That's um, rude, by the way. Ally McBeal is a fine show, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, I watched uh, Rick and Morty season three. Uh, oh. I, I've, the pickle. Yeah, I've <laughs> slowly gotten into Rick and Morty. The show's brilliant. Um, the, the pickle, Rick, you know because it's such a pop culture lexicon now. Mm-hmm. You're like, what is so weird about, what's so great about this pickle, Rick? Mm-hmm. And the episode 
I mean, he turns himself into a pickle to so avoid therapy. To avoid <laughs> therapy, and then they have this great moment where it gets really serious on why he, why he's there, and it that's what I really love about uh, Rick and Morty is it's really silly but then it gets really grounded yeah um it's a great show i'm not a super fan but there is one moment in it that is probably one of the most profound uh animation moments i've ever seen not the most but one of them it's after they go to a planet where rick was um uh uh, intimate with an alien lady or something yeah but he can't be with her or something i can't remember but he goes into the garage to commit suicide But he's always so drunk that he passes out, and the ray that that was going to hit his head misses him, and he just passes out from from attempting suicide. And it was like it made me cry. it's so weird. Really well done. Yeah. Um. uh, Yeah. So I mean, I definitely pick it up. Um. A really great, really good documentary on Netflix right now is uh, the Two Killings of Sam Cooke. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm a huge, huge Sam Cooke fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, and his murder bug face <laughs> he's talking about rick and morty so <laughs> so in the opening where like morty has like the butt for a face and he's looking at porn uh, yeah 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 <laughs> a, he, that's what he remembers um so for people that don't know sam cook was murdered in 1964 in a like a kind of a sleazy hotel right um Kellen, can you be quiet it's one of those it's one of those like true true crime like involving yeah. a celebrity that like I didn't know about it until like maybe a few years ago. Yeah, it's, I just it's didn't pretty think sad. Because um, I mean, Sam Cooke. Uh, I've always said this. Um, his records are amazing. Uh, his records are amazing. I if you people want to know, because I'm a big Rod Stewart fan. Mm-hmm. Um, where Rod Stewart got got his persona? It's Sam Cooke. It's, it's definitely Sam Cooke, amongst others. Okay, but buddy, one second, okay. Um, but no, he no. he's got songs that I'll still listen to. Oh, his put on like a change is going to come is maybe the greatest protest song ever mm-hmm. i mean i i'm gonna say it's the greatest i don't think it's even debatable um and that was released after he died right. um and so there's there's a big conspiracy about his death mm-hmm. because the, so the story is is he goes to this uh hacienda in los angeles after he parties with this one girl she runs out of the room saying she was kidnapped and this guy was crazy the police show up they find sam cook dead with just a like a jacket on right um and he has uh like two bullet um two shot twice and one like pierced his heart mm-hmm. um killed by the manager there uh oh. so she, the manager story is that he came up screaming at her and she shot him in self-defense right um they ruled that it wasn't self-defense and she's actually been sued by the cook estate and she won um wow. there's a lot of people in um the African community, uh, African American community, that believes he was murdered on purpose, um, because um, what a lot of people don't know about Sam Cooke is b- even before he was doing um, a change is going to come, he was hanging out with Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, uh, Malcolm X, right, and he was a, and he's one of the first um, black soul singers that appeared on, you know, Dick Clark, uh, and you know, he broke a lot of barriers, tons of barriers, and he's so amazing. Um, the documentary is pretty good. There's some factual things in there that I, I kind of, it kind of irks me. Um, I won't say what they are because I don't want to sound like an asshole, but um, there's a couple things that happened that they, they, again, the documentary is trying to fit a narrative. I get it. And they, and they get a lot of prominent um, people uh, from the music business. Cause you know, you remember it, it, Sam Cooke died in 64. I think he was 32, 33. Yeah, pretty so young. really young. Mm-hmm. So his um, 
you know, I cried a few times in it because, you know, his son died while he was out of town mm-hmm. um, and uh, his son fell in a pool and drowned. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, no matter how you slice it, if you believe that he was done, like Rod Stewart believes he was done in like on purpose. Yeah, um, which I, I'm not going to lie. I think did too. Yeah. So, I mean, th- th- the thing that the problem with his death is there's so many unanswered questions. Yeah. Because is it really reasonable to shoot some dude twice? No. <laughs> and and I mean, does she get away with it because he's an African American? Mm-hmm. I think that I think you can make the case for that in the nineteen early nineteen sixties. Yeah, it's um, it's it's one of those situations where it's it's weird. Like uh, of the deaths that happened to prominent activists in that era, it's certainly one of the strangest. Um, I think the only one that's probably as mysterious. Um, only because of not not for the same reasons, but just in yeah. terms of being a mystery, is probably Malcolm X's. Um, oh yeah, because I think he, I think Malcolm X died a couple months later. Yeah, and he was, right. and, and I mean, he, he was a, uh, the alleged thing is he is assassinated by different people from the faction that he belonged to that he was breaking away from from the uh, from from the, uh, the yeah and the community a, that he belonged to. So it's but like and again like I love like I mean. I love like the subject of Martin Luther King Jr. and mm-hmm. uh, Malcolm X and whatnot. I mean, a lot of that came from watching the Malcolm X movie yeah. as a kid, and then also reading books. But like, I don't know every single detail. Yeah, so with it, Sam Cooke's also is, is kind of. An I, I would say watch doc- the documentary is still really good. It's a great overview of his life. Yeah. Um, uh, and they they call it the two killings because they obviously his murder, but they also talk about how he was swindled out of um, his. Uh, records, right? Uh, because I mean, at the time, a lot of people weren't singer songwriters, and Sam Cooke was one of them, right? Because um, you know, a lot of—I mean, Elvis is an amazing singer, but he really didn't write his own stuff. Sinatra, same thing. Um, no, they, they well, Elvis stole. Sinatra <laughs> acquired things. Well, Sinatra <laughs> showed up in the studio and he sang songs people wrote for him. He um, said, "Hey, if you don't if you don't let me sing this song, I'm going to have some friends from the docks come on over." <laughs> so yeah, so he signed a th- it's it's kind of sad and he um but if you want to get Sam Cooke and you want to hear him at his best, you should pick up or download an album called One Night Stand Live at the Harlem Square mm-hmm. and it is the greatest live album you'll ever hear um you know they i've I've never heard a live track from him oh it's so good he uh i I just love because you can hear his energy Uh and uh you know the the documentary makes the case that the reason they didn't put it out till 1985 is because um it was too black i don't know um you know he is playing to an all-black audience (laughs) and they're uh it's it's really great and I, you should really pick it up. Yeah. Um, I think you can download it on iTunes. It's five ninety nine. Oh, um, oh shoot! I'll do that tonight. Yeah, you should. And because I just so there's a part where he's introduced and he comes down. And he's like, "Don't fight it. You got to feel it." And then the whole <laughs> the whole band starts amping up, and it's so good. Oh, um, God. And if you uh, he does uh, uh, bring it home to me on it, and it is maybe it's stunning. And uh, so. Uh, watch a documentary. Um, Sam Cooke is amazing. Uh, his It's horrible what happened to him. Right. And either way, because someone who is an activist and helping people and because he wanted to start a, um, a label with just black performers mm-hmm. to get them a share. Because, you know, back then the music guys were like, oh, we own your music. So he yeah. wanted them to have own their music. Yeah. They, it's 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 not unlike other people who yeah. attempt a collective like. 
I mean, one of the more famous examples that I can think of off the top of my head is Coppola making American Zoetrope, and that didn't work. But, I mean, I admire that Cook tried to do that for black artists in Japan because it's, you know, like... And the music industry was ruthless back in the day. Oh, right? yeah, no, and really mean to African-American performers. It's it's yeah. really sobering, and it's sad. But at the same time, it's a really mixed emotions because they start with the murder, and then they kind of trace his steps backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of intertwine the time yeah, a little bit. And, um, and you just see this man who's so talented, and... Um, and it's just it's just the whole thing is sad. Yeah. Um, no matter which way you slice it. Yeah. Um, but I love Sam Cooke. And if you want to get live at the Harlem Square um, and all his recordings, mm-hmm. if you get uh, at iTunes right now, you can download The Man Who Invented Soul. It's twenty four dollars and it has ninety nine tracks on it. Jesus, I Christ. think it's all of his. And that's, it's amazing. That's a bargain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I watched a couple movies I missed last year. Lizzie, which is a Lizzie Borden um, film. I've only heard a little um, bit about this. So it's not horrible. It's a little slow. Um, is Kristen Stewart. Kristen in it? Stewart is in it. She plays Maggie, the uh, the maid. Um, right. Chloe Sevigny. Sevigny. Yeah. Or Sevigny. Sevigny. Yeah. Um, plays Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Uh, and. Like like the killings of Sam Cooke, it opens with some shots of the murder. Um, then it goes back in time. 40 wax for the wet noodle part! <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it's interesting because it's like the OJ case where there's <laughs> like there's only one person who could have killed him. And, but uh, everybody's trying to figure out if it's true. <laughs> yeah, but the, you know, the jurors would never believe that a woman could commit such a heinous act. And there's a long... Uh, there was a... Um, a theory put forth that um, Lizzie Borden had an affair with Maggie, the uh, the maid, mm-hmm. and that she was actually a lesbian. And you know, back then, it's frowned well, frowned yeah. upon. Oh. And um, her dad was very um, demeaning to her. Mm-hmm. I'm busy. Wait, go play. Okay, we'll get it in a second. Um, and so it takes a little bit going, but the acting is really good in it. Yeah. The, the directing is kind of boring. Um, Slow, kind of. Yeah. Okay. But, like, the acting is really so great So I'll in like it. it. <laughs> so I, I would say you should watch it. I think I gave it three and a half stars mm-hmm. um, because it's building up to something. You know what it's building up to. Right. Um, and the way they handled it is how I've how a lot of true crime people have speculated how it went down. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to me, like, a lot. Um, I, I mean, I won't spoil it for you. Um, but, uh, it, I mean... It's rated R, and you know what? The whole time, like, oh, is it really rated R? Because they just show these quick flashes at the beginning of, you know, Max murders. Yeah. Nope, it's rated R for the murders that happen about an hour and twenty minutes into the movie. Oh shit! So they go full on. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's good. it's pretty brutal. Um, I mean, but, not good. I don't like that people died, but meh. I mean, if you're gonna, I mean, do it's one hundred thirty years ago. Yeah. If you're gonna do, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> They're all dead. It yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Everyone involved. Is um, dead. So yeah, it's interesting, and um, they put forth uh, an interesting narrative for it, which one that makes sense. Um, so you should check it out. I got a red box. You know, it's a dollar fifty. It's one of those true crime cases that I honestly know the least about. Uh, it's really fascinating. I, I always, I'm always fascinated with like the Victorian ones. I, I'm really fascinated with Jack the Ripper yeah. and Lizzie Borden because. Um, you read them, you're like, well, there can only really be one. Per- well, except Jack the Ripper was a little different. But <laughs> you read the Lizzie Borden case, you go, yeah. hmm, 
this doesn't make any sense. And her story's never lined up at all. Right. Uh, it's really bizarre how she, and they just, because there's no way a woman could commit that. Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, check it out also, at Redbox. Uh, also, it's cheap. I know who Jack the Ripper was. It was yes. Ian Holm, the movie From Hell. That's right. That. Um, I <laughs> watched uh, James's favorite film from last year, Won't You Be My Neighbor, um, which is good. Um, Did you cry? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm only human. <laughs> I mean the the scene where he sings with the little boy in the wheelchair mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah. Um, and it, what I really liked about it is, you know, they went through uh, too. They're talking about his scandals and stuff, and they're, they're like, no, he's just a good dude. <laughs> like, yeah. There's and people try to like tear him down, and um, and there's some great behind the scenes footage that yeah. uh, you wouldn't necessarily think, and him playing himself through the tiger puppet is yeah so the movie's really well done it's something i don't didn't think to think about when i thought of fred rogers um the documentary like in that respect is very enlightening yeah yeah um my favorite part of it other than i think the pool the foot the foot in the pool thing Uh um and also his whole story yeah uh because he's got a very interesting moment very coming out very of the closet but um also, Mr. Rogers reacting or his opinions about parodies on him. Yeah. Which I thought one of the most fascinating, tiniest sections of the film. Because they show yeah. the clip from Family Guy of like of going like, hello, neighbor. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just a funny moment. And the Mr. Robinson. I love Mr. Robinson. <laughs> Hi, uh, kids. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, an eviction notice from Mr. Landlord. Can you say scumbucket? I bet you can. Um, but it's interesting to see that yeah. that man... It, it bothered him, but, I, I mean, at the end of the day, what can you do? Yeah. I have yeah. all rainbows. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so great film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you should definitely see it. You can. I think you have, it's on HBO, so you're able to watch if you have HBO. Oh, sweet. They're giving me access to cry now. Um, yeah, another uh, film I actually cried in is uh, Love, Simon. Um, oh, Henry had that Henry had list. list. It's about a, another... Uh, young man who is gay and he's struggling with coming out and he starts this email relationship with another uh, man who's also gay and they kind of build up the courage through each other through correspondence and they don't know each other mm-hmm. and so it's just his um, it deals with his relationships with uh, with that and his family um, and Jennifer Garner and um, Josh Demel are amazing in it Ooh. Um like there's uh do Hamill gets redeemed. <laughs> yeah. So he I mean, so it starts when he says so they're opening presents and this isn't spoilers because it's whatever. Um, he's, he's telling he tells his family at Christmas that he's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, the dad gets mad and walks out. Um, the mom doesn't know what to say. And then about 30 minutes later, they have a great um, speech with the mom. And then uh, he sees his dad uh, taking down Christmas lights and the dad calls him over and he says, you know, why didn't all these times I made these stupid jokes and I just was like hurting you. And it's this really like great scene. Uh, and, um, yeah. So, I mean, I cried I that part. Find this movie and the, watch it. It's on HBO as well. Oh, um, good. The, uh, the only thing I knocked it down for is I didn't like, um, he, they had the standard, his friends got mad at him thing. Mm. Um, for stuff he did. Um, it just seemed a little like tat, uh, like, like piled on right I, I just thought it was unnecessary but i mean still the performances are great i do good job buddy um like uh, the performances are great i definitely recommend it it's a good movie mm-hmm. um and uh let me burn through my uh carrie grants uh the first one i watched was kiss and makeup which is maybe his fifth or sixth film um 
And this is one I've never heard of. Oh, t- so it's pre-code then. So it's pre. Is it pre-code? It's nineteen thirty-four five. Oh, it's, I think uh, it's. I think it's on the cusp. It's cause, yeah, it's cusp. So did you see any boobs? No. Okay. However, <laughs> however, so in it he plays a doctor, and this doctor he's a plastic surgeon. Ooh, and, sexy doctor, right? <laughs> and so he owns like this hedonistic place in New York where there's like women dressed in robes. And, oh, how scandalous! <laughs> and he sells cream to make women beautiful, and he uh, has he's a medicine man. <laughs> yes, uh, he has a uh, a secretary that's actually in love with him, but mm-hmm. she's just a little too plain Jane. Uh, um, and then this really unattractive woman comes in, and she says, "I want you to make me beautiful." So he sculpts in clay her face, and then she goes into surgery, and he takes off her wrappings like Joker. From Batman, mirror, yeah. mirror, and she's stunning. Um, uh, who is it? It's um, I forget her name, but the platinum blonde. Or yeah, but uh, uh, nobody. So she, uh, so he ends up marrying this woman because she's so beautiful after her plastic surgery. Oh my god! And um. And then they go on vacation, and then he finds out that he actually loves his secretary, and uh-huh. he comes back at the end and changes his ways. But they have lines in it that saying "ugly is the plague of modern society." Um, oh, that's gonna be on my tombstone. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, um, in a way, it's charming, but at the same time, you go, "Wow, this is a little." Mm. This, um, is, this is very, very. This is very much. Hey, uggos, get the fuck out! Yeah, it's very not aged well. Listen, if you are not. Sculpted out, uh, sculpted out of pure gold and like Adonis like structured features. Yeah. You get the fuck out. Totally, America. Um, <laughs> uh, and the I also watched um, the Talk of the Town, which is a George Stevens film. Um, yeah, with uh, uh, he stars in it with uh, what's her name, Jean. Uh, Jean she, is it Jean Arthur? Uh, yes, yeah. she's really great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, in it, he plays again. I love when he kind of plays against type. He plays a man at confu- uh, con- uh, accused of arson, mm-hmm. and he burns down like a local factory, and then someone dies in it. So he's on the run, and he stays at her house. And he meets. Uh, so he's an anarchist, and he meets this. Yeah, this <laughs> like you do. <laughs> yeah. So he meets this judge who's going to stay at this house, and he's you know. Well, the law is the law. And then yeah. they have uh, dinners and lunches together. And they're great scenes because it's them like arguing over philosophy. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's also a screwball comedy at the same time. So it's really it's actually one of my favorite one of his films right now um, because it goes through drama to screwball to um, like kind of like detective stuff. Yeah. Um, you got I mean, you got to figure out who really burned down the. Right. Because Cary Grant didn't burn down the. The. No, no, no. He may be an anarchist, but he's not an asshole. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So he escapes from, you know, from jail. And so everyone says, well, why would he escape if he wasn't guilty? So there's actually great scenes with him just talking to uh, this professor guy. Nice. Um, So definitely check out Talk of the Town. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's a George Stevens film, so you will get, like, you'll get some keen direction to watch. Oh, yeah. It's it's two hours, but moves really fast. Yeah. Watch, um, watch Giant. That doesn't move fast, but it's great. <laughs> um, and the last thing I watched um, is Cary Grant was first nominated for an Oscar for Penny Serenade, mm-hmm. which <laughs> it's like the most manipulative movie I've watched, but, the, <laughs> but it's also like brilliant. And I like yeah. I cried like three times in it. Um, have you seen this film? Once. And you're right. It's melodrama up the wazoo. Yeah. Um, in it, Cary Grant plays... Um, 
I, I don't know really who he like what he is before, but uh, um, damn it, who is she's in? Um, Irene Dunn. I love Irene, Irene Dunn. Dunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so she's in a music store, and they he, she has him buy records, and there's this really cute scene. Yeah, where he buys tons of records. He goes home and he wants to listen to him, but he doesn't have a record player, so she invites him upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, he ends up asking her to marry him, and they do, and he's going to Tokyo because he's... Oh, he's a reporter. So he's a reporter, yeah. and he's going to Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she gets on the train with him, and they have sex with the door closing. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You mean the camera pans away. No, no it just follows the door closed. Um, oh, that's right, right. Yeah. No, this is... Yeah, anyway, keep going. So she gets off the train, and then he sends for her in a little bit, mm-hmm. and you find out she's pregnant. And then there's an earthquake and she miscarries and the doctor says you can never have a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, it's sad. And then they decide they're going to adopt one. And the first time I cried is, um, so they want a boy, but the only baby they have is this little girl. And so uh, the adoption people hand her to Irene Dunn and Carrie Grant is, you know, I only want a boy. And then the little baby grabs his finger and an amazing like, uh, like yeah. thing with, him and so cried at that part and then after a year his newspaper business went out and so he has no income so he has to go to the judge and the judge isn't going to let him keep the child he wanted to adopt Mm -hmm. and he gives this like amazing speech about um why he's more of a father than anyone will ever be to this young girl right and i'm like oh my god and it's that's one of those scenes that like gregory peck in the courtroom in to kill a mockingbird yeah it's like that's his oscar scene yeah. this was Cary grant's oscar scene yeah like that's, where, it, that's his clip if they had yeah, clip back then exactly and i was just like oh my gosh P- penny serenade is a film that it gets mentioned a lot in those radio shows i like like in within the period that's released and whatnot so you hear the name being ta- bandied about and you read it in books because Cary grant's in it it's one of those films that like I don't love it, but I get why it was popular. I get why it got the nomination, but it's not one I'm going to revisit all yeah. the time. Because um, you know, you're right. It is manipulative. I really there. liked it. And then, I mean, it got me again because is that spoilers for a movie that's 80 years old? No. I'm <laughs> just no. kidding. Um, so, you know, he ends up loving Trina and she ends up staying after he's that huge speech and he, he comes home with her and there's a great scene with them together. And, and it's really shot really cool because um, – Irene Dunn keeps on listening to different music, so she'll put a record on, and then it'll spin around and it'll cut to a new scene. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know a story of their life, which is a fun, which is a fun editing trick that I, that I enjoyed. From yeah, the um, and so he brings Trina home, and they're all happy again. And then it cuts to her flipping through the music, and she's crying. And you're like, what the fuck is going on here? So she puts another record on, and she writes a letter to uh, I forget the lady's name who adopted the child to him, but Trina dies from like an illness mm-hmm. and Cary Grant then becomes like an asshole. It's really sad. And you're like, Oh my God, this is horrible. And, and the ending is that I think that's maybe my only problem with the film is the ending is really meh. Um, it's, it's it, what's the, who's the guy who created uh this is us and like Dan Fogel, whatever. Uh, sure. This is probably like the movie. He yeah. Watches on a loop. Cause at the, at the end he gets a phone call from the adoption agency after she received the letter from um, Irene Dunn informing her that their uh, Trina passed away f- after getting sick. Right. And she says, you'll never believe we have a, a little boy, two years old, just as you described him. Oh, wow. And then they're happy yeah. again. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's weird. This, 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 this is a fall flooding back to me now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Other than that, the movie is stunning. The acting is amazing. I love Irene Dunn. I really do. She's great in a lot of flicks. Oh, uh, I mean, she's in the awful truth. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then she's uh, my favorite wife. 
amazing. Yeah, she's um, got a. I I like her look. Yeah, like it's 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 classic like classic beauty. Yeah, and it's not one that I can pin pin to uh, pin as generic no. compared to other actresses. Like, I'll be honest, sometimes I mix up Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Sure, which I know a sin, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, right on. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. Also, um, I love the idea of spoiling 80 year old movies. Like, spoiler alert: Ilsa gets on the plane and leaves Rick. <laughs> spoiler: the sled was. Well, hit. she was gonna get on that plane or <laughs> another one. Spoilers: Rosebud was the sled. <laughs> I do like that Peter Griffin joke. He's like, "It's his sled. It was his sled when he was a kid." There, I just saved you two long boobless hours. <laughs> um, cool. That's why I watched. Yeah, sorry, there's a lot just catching up. Um, no worries. This week, I saw Happy Death Day to You. Okay. Ryan, should people see Happy Death Day to You? Yes, with the caveat that you absolutely have to see Happy Death Day 1. Yeah, that's um, what I've heard. Not, they do a recap in it. Um, but it probably doesn't do as much justice no, as experience. because there's a bunch of characters in it that you really need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you should see it. And here's a trailer for uh, Happy Death Day to You. Dude. Oh. I am tripping right now. I feel like I've totally lived through this day already. Deja vu? Yes. The day reset when you died, right? Yeah. I might be able to help with that. I died 11 times. I was stuck reliving the same day over and over again until someone wearing a baby mask murdered me on the night of my birthday. Turns out it was my roommate, Lori. I kicked her crazy ass out a window and killed her, which broke the loop. But now I'm living the better version of my life. Okay. No. Oh, hey, you're up. I folded your pants for you. No way. Dude, did you hit that or what? I don't believe this. It's Monday the 18th again. Go. Stop global warming. Go. 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 I thought it ended the loop, but I'm back. Oh my god. Everything's different. This time, it's coming after all of us. If you don't reset the day and try again, they're dead for good, aren't they? So I'm going to have to die over and over again to save all of you. I mean, I guess you could just reset the day yourself. Genius idea. Okay, let's do this. If I don't stop the killer, more people will die. Failure's not an option. Focus, man. My money on my mind. Got a meal out the field, and I'm still on the grind. I showed the system. I'm literally dying to figure this out. A girl from Woody, they buy, and they're ready to go. Oh, hey. You're up. I'm so done with this. I'm on borrowed time here. They bought me all my fancy things. What the fuck? All right, let's see what you got. Crisis mode tree. Who's gonna pledge Kappa now that we have a death curse? So I, I know you said you wouldn't spoil it, but I mean, honestly, if you want to, I don't care because I'll go see the movie anyway. Um, um, well, I will say this. Um, so you saw Happy Death Day. Yeah. And there's a, a part in Happy Death Day when um, the one bitchy sorority like uh, 
head lady Danielle Danielle uh, <laughs> comes in and she says these rolling blackouts have been happening for like two weeks. Uh, um, so uh, you f- so you find out that um, it's the science guys have created this machine that is like put placing people in um, a loop. Okay, and um, and you find this out because um, the film opens with uh, the the Asian kid. I think his name's Ryan. Um, Who keeps saying yeah, that? Nice vagina. Oh, um, oh, so it opens with him. I love how she keeps, <laughs> by the way, from the first one, I love how she keeps finding a different way to say fuck you to yeah. him. In, in that, oh, God, yeah. Um, so she, uh, so it opens with him getting out of his car uh-huh. and going uh, through like the same thing she went through, but it's the second day, so it is the next day. Yeah. And then he leaves, and he goes to his science experiment, and then he's killed by the babyface killer. Okay. So then it starts back over with him again, and uh, he's explaining it to uh, Tree, and she gets all mad um, that he's stuck in this loop. So they go down to his science area, and he accidentally splits Tree off into a different reality. Oh, wow. And um, so she's stuck in a reality, and her conundrum comes from uh, her mom's alive in this reality. Oh. So does she go back to one where her mom's dead? Right. Or does she stay in this one where her mom's alive? And it's an interesting play because she's conflicted because her boyfriend or dude she likes. Um, oh, um, uh, what's his I name? I forget in his the name. Movie? It's not Nick. Um, anyways, so he's dating Danielle in this op- alternate universe. Right. And so she has to make a choice. Do I go back to... Um, this guy, <laughs> I can't remember his name. I know um, he had a Mystery Science Theater three thousand poster on his yeah. wall. Um, or do I stay in the in the one where my mom's alive? Right, and which is a big part of the first film, is, or her emotional yeah. arc in the first film is tied to and, her family. Like there is a great emotional part in it. Um, she she oscillates between the two decisions, mm-hmm. and um, the decision she ultimately makes. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe won't work out for her either. So there's a great thing where she says, you know, I don't know. uh, I didn't have these memories with my mom because her mom's been dead one minute. And, um, you know, so it's really fascinating. I, I, one one thing that, cause this actually ties to the review aspect for you Uh, watching the first happy death day. Like what I was amazed by honestly was the way they were able to kind of hold that story together without it falling apart on yeah. itself like because it this is a this whole concept is so easy to just stumble yeah. like crazy in the woods and i think they do a great job of holding it together and keeping it entertaining oh yeah they, they're able to satirize a lot of current social issues while at the same time having so much fun um and what? the biggest accomplishment for me in the first one and i hope it carries off in the second one is that those characters, even the ones like even Danielle, who I hate and whatnot, I was like, I would want to see more of them. Yeah, it's, and it's, I do care about. So, them. in the alternate dimension, Danielle is really nice, <laughs> <laughs> and she wants to be an actress. It's it's pretty funny. Um, I liked like I liked at the end of the first one. She's like like, but how, trying to give her a poison cupcake. How stupid. We're Kappas. We don't eat cupcakes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I just started laughing. Like It's like that Mean Girls thing where the dialogue is so ridiculous yeah. that I just can't help but laugh. I don't know, Pies. I got to take them. 
What's up, Real Nerd? Zach here, uh, interrupting this portion of the show. One, because at this point in the recording, Ryan had to go upstairs to attend to something. And second of all, we forgot to uh, introduce Catching the Classics with Corinne, which was new this week, mainly because we recorded before we got the recording, so it slipped our minds. We apologize to Corinne, who's been an immense uh, uh, devotee and uh, contributor to the show. So with that, we're going to put the Catching the Classics with Corinne segment in here since there was a lull in the natural recording. So enjoy her review of It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World, Stanley Kramer Classic. Hope you enjoy. Hi, nerds. Corinne here for part 14 of Catching the Classics, where I watch famous and popular movies I've never seen before and send in my reviews. This week, it's a mad, 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 mad world. And I think it's kind of funny that I'm talking about this as I'm driving back to Colorado from visiting my family in Kansas. Um, I was planning to have my mom um, join me in talking about it. Um, but unfortunately, there were some technical difficulties and I lost the recording, so um, I apologize to everybody because now you just have to deal with, with my gross voice because I'm getting over some cold or whatever. But um, So, it's Mad 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 World. I didn't know too much about it. I knew it was like kind of this car race movie sort of thing. I remember watching Rat Race as a kid, and I do believe that Rat Race is kind of a remake of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, and on the whole, kind of didn't really care for it. It was just really long. Um, I will say, I I mean, there were some funny parts to it, and there were some things that I, about it that I enjoyed. Um, I think the performances were pretty good. I, like, props to everybody for, the, like, the stunt work in this movie is pretty, like, especially for the 60s, like, it's really, really good stunt work. Uh, I, I think they do a good job of, like, I like the premise, I like the way that you get introduced to all the characters and you get to see, like, okay, you have, like, the initial five, um, the five guys who go down to talk to the dying dude. Um, and then you have, like, their, you know, their people who were in the cars with them. And then you see, like, these other people who kind of get added along as the, I don't know, the race, um, you know, starts inadvertently, I guess. It's, I mean, it's a race, but it's not really a race. Um, not like a formal race, at least. But it is, um... Yeah, it's, a, it's just a really long movie. Like, I think it was almost three hours, or it was, like, two hours, 45 minutes. And, yeah, I know there's, like, the, um, the intermission and the, you know, the overture and stuff. But even outside of that, I think it's at least an hour, and, or two hours and 30 minutes. But I, I think it, you could have cut, cut out, like, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour of it, and it would have been just fine. I know movies back then tended to be longer in this kind of grand and epic thing, but yeah, I, I think you you can you can make it shorter. It's fine. Uh, yeah, I think that was the biggest problem for me was that certain things would happen, and they might have been like interesting or funny initially, but then it just kind of goes on for too long. 
one thing that like stood out to me was the uh, the scene where the truck driver he wakes up in the garage and the two guys think he's like a psycho and so they're trying to like stop him and he's chasing them around the garage and they keep wrecking all of the stuff and eventually like little by little like all the stuff in the garage like falls over and then at the end you see the uh like the plywood that the place is built out of it all falls onto the ground and like yeah it was like a funny concept and I did like the you know the way it was executed at the very end but you probably could have shortened that scene and it would have been better in my opinion so I um so my mom actually recorded it as part of this double header that Turner Classic Movies was doing that this was the first movie and then they showed The Great Race afterward which is also um some I think it was also in the 60s and it's also a movie about a car race although a more formal race instead of an informal one and I grew up on The Great Race and I really like that movie and I think it's it's a much better movie than it's a mad 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 world um Oh, I forgot to say, the other thing that really bugged me about It's Mad, 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 Mad World is the female characters and the way that they're treated. The mother-in-law is just a giant bitch, and I wanted to strangle her the whole time. And I know, like, that's the point, but it was just so over the top, and it was like every scene she was in, she was just loud and annoying. Like, there's no break. There's no break from it at all. Unless, you know, she's just not in the scene. Um, But then the way that the other ones are treated... I mean, the two wives are just... Well, the one whose mother is there... She kind of has a little bit of a personality. That moment there in the state park where she's talking to the police captain. And she's like, hey, I know where it is. And, like, I don't even care. And... You know, that was actually kind of a nice moment. But the other one, the one who was, like, married to the dentist or something, she just, she had no personality, and she was just, I mean, you could have replaced her with a sack of potatoes, and it probably would have been more interesting. Um, And I was, I think, initially, there was that scene very early on. um, Like, I think when we're first introduced to the police captain, where he like asked the female deputy or whatever to go get him a thing of coffee and she gets up and he like there's this shot of like him looking at her ass and this like funny music plays and I'm like really I know the 60s were kind of a different time but oh my gosh I I, this is one instance where I'm like the great race is a much better movie in this instance because its female characters have agency they have personality they're actually like funny and I mean maybe annoying occasionally but annoying in like a funny way not annoying in a I want to strangle you and then myself sort of way and yes it's also about car chases and yes there's a lot of shenanigans that go on in the great race but I think that movie it keeps the plot going and they're usually not in any location for more than like 20 minutes you know once the race starts they are like the plot is moving and grooving 
you're not lingering around in a freaking you know hardware store basement for 30 minutes while everybody tries everything to you know get in and get out and anyway so I mean maybe I would watch it again someday but I would have the uh the remote handy to fast forward through stuff because it's a mad 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 world is about an hour too long in my opinion so I'm gonna give it a I don't know two and a half or three stars out of five wasn't my favorite everybody just go watch the great race instead because it's much better yay so next week I'm gonna be tackling 16 candles Thanks, Corinne. We enjoyed your review of It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World. Now, let's get back to the review of Happy Death Day to You, already in progress. <laughs> and anyway, that's why Ryan's a jerk. Oh, hey, Ryan! <laughs> yeah, I It's going to be a fight in the parking lot. No, your mom made, like, a really beautiful arrangement for my wife. Yeah. No, so that's nice. No, she she appreciates uh, you guys coming down, and also oh, she yeah. likes to get rid of flowers. No, so. I'll I'll take them anytime she wants to give them to me. I'll take them and take credit for it. Sorry. But so anyway, so Danielle's nice in this. In yes. The new one, yeah. Um, and there's a uh, this one leans a little more in comedy, which um, I kind of figured they'd yeah. have to if they were gonna keep the premise going. Yeah. Like the one thing I will say about the f- the first film that I wasn't like it didn't bother me. I was just kind of like meh on it. Was like. The horror, since it's PG-13, yeah. the horror element of it, or the slasher element of it is, like, obviously weak sauce. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be anything yeah. intense anyway. You know, so. I thought that when I watched it, the first one, too, because that was my big turnoff of it. I said, you know, a PG-13 slasher film is... I did like the death in the car where she, where the car blows up. Yeah. Because it, it's shot beautifully to where you just see her confronting him with the mask, mm-hmm. and it doesn't... And it does a good job of not revealing that the baby face killer was stabbing the car yeah. to leak the gas. So, so no, it's uh, like the movie is really and it's fun. Like if you like the first one, you'll really like this one. I mean, I really liked it. Does it set up a third one? Uh, Yeah. OK. There is a there is a credit uh, after credit scene. Oh. I guess mid credit. Does Sam Jackson ask baby face killer yeah. to join the Avengers? <laughs> yes, he, he's <laughs> there was a time when all the serial killers would get together. Oh my God! It's just Michael, Jason, and Freddie at at the helicarrier desk. <laughs> <laughs> Flying monkeys! I understood that reference, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, that's fun. Uh, uh, I would, I if you're a fan of the first one, I'd say go see it. Sweet, right uh, on. It, Blumhouse doing it again, man. Yeah, Kicking ass. I don't know if you know uh, this. They made Halloween and Get Out. They did. Two of the greatest movies ever made. <laughs> and S, which will come out in March, and I'll love it probably. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad so, you enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I didn't get to see it is because I was gonna go last night, and we got hit by a massive snowstorm yeah. overnight in Denver. And in order for me to get out to Uber, I would have waited 25 minutes just to get accepted for a ride. So uh, that's why I watched High Flying Bird instead. But uh, I will see Happy Death Day two at some point. Yeah, I'd go see it. Cool. Um, next week on Real Nerds, we're actually doing a 1989 <laughs> film explosion. Oh shit. Um. Uh, so send us in your thanks. Um. There's a lot of good movies that year. Oh um, god, like I I'm not going to lie, this is I've been looking at the the, the releases. 
It's probably going to be my favorite list we've done from the 80s section. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, so send us your lists. Yeah, uh, send us your list to uh, realnerds at gmail.com. Uh, you can hit it up on Facebook. Um, uh, our Instagram is also a good place to put it out there. I mean, Anywhere like, we put it. And I start putting it out earlier because one of the feedback we got is we don't give enough time for people to send in their lists. Well, so. now we are. So you have no like no excuses <laughs> this time, boys and girls. <laughs> Buddy. Um, uh, yeah. Um, cool. And then after that, though, it's Captain Marvel. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Be uh, good times. Right on. Well, I so, guess until next week. Yep. Yeah. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.